0: This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, Congressman Kelly Armstrong is going to join us. He sits on the esteemed Energy and Commerce Committee now. It's new for him, but very, very important because today, President Joe Biden released some new executive orders. Can we bring up our nice little squeeze thing, guys? Uh, Some new executive orders that many are suggesting. And remind you, this is day seven. Okay, day seven of the Joe Biden administration. And many people now are saying that that what is happening as of late, because it's climate day at the White House, this is a war on domestic energy production. I'm telling you, folks, if these things come to fruition, we're going to talk then about the impact on you, your family, and, of course, North Dakota's economy. As I mentioned a moment ago, today at the White House is climate day. We're going to get to that. And also stay with us, because in a moment, I'm going to share with you who Joe Biden's new national climate Advisor is. If you're a farmer, if you're in the oil fields. You're going to want to pay attention because I'm going to remind you who this person is. Now let's get to this. Joe Biden walked up to the mic today at his. I would like to say press conference, but I don't think he's taken a question in the past seven days from the press. So we'll call it a speech. He walked up to the mic today, and said this about what's happened at the White House. Today uh, is Climate Day at the White House, and. Uh which means that today is jobs day at the White House. Might want to tell that to the 11,000 people that lost their jobs when he denied the Keystone XL pipeline. But hey, we're gonna talk about some possibility of jobs when it comes to clean energy as well. But speaking of that, uh, after President Biden's speech, uh, Senator Kevin Kramer tweeted this out. He says, hey, I thought uh, POTUS, Wanted to unite America, not have us be unemployed. And I want to remind you, this climate plan that the Biden administration is putting out, at least when he was a candidate, was two, it, is a, it has a two trillion with a T. Two trillion dollar price tags. You put two trillion on with the climate change, you add another 1.9 trillion for the COVID relief package, folks. Bottom line, it is a lot and lot of money So we're gonna borrow money from China to pay for a climate plan that they're gonna say, yeah, we're gonna continue to produce coal. So just keep that in mind. Now let's talk about uh, President Biden's national climate advisor. Just to remind you, her name is Gina McCarthy and she's the former, uh, what we call the Employment Prevention Agency. I'm, I'm sorry, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. Uh, Gina McCarthy, and what you want to know about Gina McCarthy, for those of you who don't remember, she was with the Obama administration. She really spearheaded the waters of the U.S. rule. If you're a farmer out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you are going, no, 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 we do not want any more WOTUS. Yeah, she was very strongly behind that. Also, she spearheaded the Clean Power Plan with the Obama administration, which was not good for, obviously, energy production here in the great state of North Dakota as well. So that's his national climate advisor. She was part of the White House press conference earlier today with Jen Psaki, the press secretary. Also there in this press conference was former Secretary of State John Kerry. He is now the international climate envoy for President Joe Biden's Climate Task Force, if you will. And if you're thinking about That Secretary John Kerry, the one that actually signed on the Iran deal that opened up the oil markets for John Kerry. And John Kerry said, yeah, a lot of this money they're going to get, you know, as we release this to Iran. Yeah, it's probably going to fund terrorism, but, you know, just as, yeah, that that John Kerry. So he spoke today and he was asked point blank at the presser, hey, Secretary Kerry, What do you say to the oil workers and oil and gas and coal workers out there that are concerned that you guys are really putting a war on their jobs? And are you going after oil execs point blank? Here's some of what he had to say. And I think that uh, workers are going to see that with the efforts of the Biden administration, uh, they're going to have a much better set of choices. And frankly, uh, it will create more jobs than stuck where we were. Now, to be fair, I think we all could agree that Elon Musk and Tesla doing pretty well right now building electric cars, right? Richest guy on the planet right now. Uh, High uh, high market cap on that company. So we want to have this conversation tonight with Congressman Kelly Armstrong. As I said, he's now on the Energy and Commerce Committee, very, very prestigious committee. He's joining us live tonight. Congressman Armstrong, welcome back to Point of View. It's great to have you. I want to start with the people watching tonight, you look at some of these executive orders regarding domestic energy production. It is, in my opinion, could be a little bit scary. If I'm an oil worker, what do you think is the most important thing for the people watching tonight to know about what's happening with this administration?
1: Um, yeah, I think I think that's it, Chris. People in my, I mean, I'm from Western North Dakota. I've lived there my whole life. People are scared. People are worried about what's coming next, and they're they're not getting a lot of. Uh, Assurances when you have John Kerry on the stage and that just says, "Well, they'll learn to build, build uh, solar panels," or when the new Department of Energy head has—I mean—has a history of giving money away to renewables that end up filing bankruptcy. But I, I mean, the Western Energy Alliance just filed suit in Wyoming today to stop the ban on federal leases, and we're going to we're going to legitimately use every single tool we have in Congress to ensure that we can continue to do what we do in North, in North Dakota, and that's feed and fuel the world.
0: So let's talk more about that because now you're on this prestigious Energy and Commerce Committee, obviously very important for our state and U.S. energy production. So get into some, some specifics here because we saw what happened when President Trump would try to do something, then the, the Democrats would file a bunch of lawsuits, you would get cut up in the courts. What are you going to do being on this committee to help stop this war on fossil fuels?
1: Well, in the immediate future, we're going to introduce protecting uh, Jeff Duncan, the Protecting uh, American Energy Act. uh, And then also we're going to introduce a bill related to the Keystone XL. And if we can't get it to have a hearing, we're going to push it towards a discharge petition. Because I think one of the things we have to remember is this isn't really a Democrat and Republican issue. I mean, if you're from New Mexico, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. This is a huge issue for your livelihood, your communities and your state budget. So uh four democrats from texas already came out today saying that he cannot are are opposing a one-year extension on the ban on federal leases but i mean we're gonna have to do what the environmentalists do we're gonna have to use the courts we're gonna have to use everything we're gonna have to continue to put the pressure on and we have to make sure and continue to have the conversation about just what this means and i appreciate your monologue when you're talking about waters of the u.s I, i mean when, you, when you're the geographic center of North, North America, which North, America, North Dakota is, this is ju- this is not just an energy issue, it's an, it's an agriculture issue, it's a production issue, and it's a North Dakota way of life issue, and we need to continue to fight for it.
0: I wanna get into Gina McCarthy a little bit more in a moment, but let's go back to the idea of, the, of what do these EOs mean? Because let's get into some numbers if you can. Give us some specifics about what these EOs potentially could mean to state of North Dakota revenues and also uh, MHA Nation.
1: Well, it's, so depending on how you look at this, they're starting to sound like they're going to exempt um, tribal lands from this, which um, makes no sense. From an, I, I mean, I'm happy because we produce a third of our oil off the Fort Berthold Reservation in North Dakota, but it doesn't make any environmental sense. I mean, it, it's not like a, an oil well drilled on the reservation in North Dakota is any cleaner than an oil well drilled just off the reservation in North Dakota. Listen, we know the numbers and we know the numbers about jobs and we know all of those things. But combined with the Paris Climate Accord, combined with um, at least talk about re-entering the Iran deal, Given what the oil and gas industry has gone through in the last year, this is, I mean, if you look at rig counts across the country, not just in North Dakota, but in onshore shale and companies that have already moved out of that marketplace, this is really, really dangerous, both both for the state of North Dakota and for the country. Uh, we're a big reason why uh, the United States is one of the only countries in the world that is energy and, and food secure. And this could really put it uh, put. Uh, significant problem on that. And by the way, it's not really going to do much to help the environment because we could shut down every oil well in North Dakota today and we could shut down every coal plant in North Dakota today and the world's still going to use more oil and burn more coal next year than they did this year.
0: Well, I'm going to get to that in a moment as well. But I I, I do have to talk about this because we've got the Minot Air Force Base, we've got the Grand Forks Air Force Base, we've got the happy hooligans here protecting our nation. Does the Biden administration understand that energy independence is also national security? I mean, all we're doing now is fueling money for Iran, Saudi Arabia, and spending more military money to bring oil tankers across the ocean safely.
1: Almost two years ago, I had the same conversation with uh, John Kerry and the Oversight Committee. And we were talking about how, I mean, in order to do renewables at the scale he's talking about, you need to have rare earth metals to produce the batteries that are needed for these for, for renewable energy. And we don't produce any of them in the United States. And Russia and China produce almost all of them. And He acknowledged that two years ago, but I didn't hear anything about that today in his press conference about how we're going to handle that national security problem. And it's a really big issue because not only is it needed for renewable energies, it's also needed for missile guidance and a lot of things we need in our national defense.
0: Well, and to to speak to that, sir, I mean, one of the things they kept talking about today within the press conference is the fact that, hey, from a national security standpoint, one of the most prevalent pieces we're going to be looking at from now on is the climate impact. So does that mean we're going to have to use renewable Navy ships and renewable, I mean, Airplanes, or wh- where is this going?
1: Well, that's exactly right. And the other answer is, is I what what is so unbelievably frustrating about all of this is you I mean, even since leaving the Paris Climate Accord, which is the gold standard by a lot of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, the United States is the one that has actually dropped their carbon emissions. We tried eight years of symbolism on these issues under the Obama administration. And you know what we found out? Reality kicked in. Because when you open a marketplace like that in an international market, somebody's going to fill the void. And there's a very big reason why China's the one financing coal mines, not only in China, but all across Africa. Because when the United States gets out of that game solely to placate, I I mean, environmentalist shareholders or that part of it, that, that production doesn't go away. Somebody else steps in and fills that void.
0: I mean, when you break it down that way, Congressman, you you really, I can see why people have got fear right now. So let's talk about the Paris Climate Accord. Senator Kevin Kramer has come out and said, hey, I think it's a good idea that we're back in the Paris Climate Accord because at least it gives us a seat at the table. Do you concur with him?
1: I don't. And, uh, you know, Senator Kramer and I agree on just about everything. My problem with the Paris Accord starts with the very first part of it. If you're going to treat the world's second largest economy like a developing (laughs) country, it's a bad deal. It's just I mean, I'm glad we have a seat at the table, I guess. But the deal doesn't make any sense. Our biggest strategic adversary in the world is China. By entering this agreement, we give China a built in advantage all across the world stage and thinking that we are going to pressure China because of our local like political whims is just naive.
0: They could care less. Um, One of the other terms that keeps coming up and I want to see if you can explain this uh, to myself and and our audience included possibly but as they keep speaking about meaning the administration about environmental justice what is environmental justice exactly?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I know what they say. I mean you're dealing with different spaces in different communities and how all of those things work. And we, listen, we understand all of those things, but you know, it's not. In
0: we may have just lost and Armstrong, so. lower
1: middle-class oh. people. That's who's hurt the worst because I mean, people who are wealthy can afford a higher energy bill, but people who aren't, that's significantly more of their disposable income that is going to go away. It's going to happen quicker than people think.
0: Congressman Armstrong, I apologize. You, you cut out there for a moment from a technical issue, but it, can you repeat that, sir? Because I think it's one of the most important pieces that nobody's talking about is, hey, if we're going to limit energy production, gas is going to go up. Home heating is going to go up. And that, as you just said, that hurts the poorest people the worst, correct?
1: Absolutely. It's it, it's less money in their less disposable income in their pockets. It's that simple. People who make I, I mean, people on the wealthy end of the spectrum can afford a higher utility bill. People living paycheck to paycheck, which unfortunately way more people are now even than a year ago because of the COVID-19 pandemic, cannot afford that extra that extra monthly expense solely so somebody feels good at a cocktail party.
0: Yeah. Congressman, um, just for limited time, sir, one last thing is that, and I don't know if you had a chance, I know you're busy on your committee now, but there's this bill being proposed about domestic terrorism and sort of expanding what that looks like because of what happened, obviously, in January 6th with the Capitol riots. It just... People are concerned that we're going to make this blanket too big and continue to spy on Americans and squelch our constitution, constitutional rights. Any insight you have on this, sir?
1: First of all, diluting the word terrorist is a terrible idea. What, and there's a big difference between foreign terrorism and domestic terrorism solely from the place of the Fourth Amendment applies to U.S. citizens. So I I always get concerned. By the way, you and I talked about this summer during the the riots across the country. Don't blame and... You know, this semi-anonymous organization, blame the person doing the conduct. But the reality is, is I, I mean, I have to read the bill and look at it. But for the most part, they are limited in tools because the Fourth Amendment applies to anybody in the U.S. And we're going to make sure that that still applies moving forward. I think domestic terrorism is used, but I think it's often, often misunderstood. There are some enhancements in penalties, but... We will make sure that, regardless, U.S. citizens are going to have their due process rights, and we'll fight like that forever.
0: Thank you. Sir, I I know that you always lead humbly, but I want to give you a chance, 30 seconds here, just to share with our audience. I mean, what what does it really mean for the great state of North Dakota to have you on the Energy and Commerce Committee? It's a very, very prestigious committee, so just what does that mean for us here in North Dakota?
1: Well, obviously, we are... Absolute powerhouse in energy and agriculture production. Uh, what we do here is really, really important, not only for the state, but for the rest of the country, and quite frankly, the rest of the world. And this committee has jurisdiction on everything from energy issues to rural broadband to, uh, just to be honest, the antitrust lane on big tech, holding big tech accountable, is pretty narrow. But the A- Energy and Commerce uh, Committee has tremendous jurisdiction over online platforms. So we're gonna be fighting for all of those things. And I'm humbled to be on the committee and I'm excited to go to work, particularly in this environment, because when it relates to the energy and the environment and things that are important to North Dakota, I think it's important to remember this this administration can do a lot of damage just by doing nothing, just by not signing off on permits by not letting rules in place, by not doing those types of things. So in a lot of ways, a lot of the damaging things have to pass Congress. But in this particular sector, we always have to be vigilant because they can do a lot of harm to North Dakota just by not doing anything.
0: Well, Congressman, thank you for that. And we didn't even get back to the Gina McCarthy bit. But if you wouldn't mind kind of helping educate us about, I mean, she's not good from WOTUS to all those things. So hopefully we'll have you back. But if you want to put something out around her to help educate us, that would be great as well. We appreciate the time tonight, sir.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: Thank you, Congressman. Appreciate it. A lot to digest there, but I think you get the sense that, look, there's some real trepidation out there when you look at what the administration's been releasing. Just in these first, again, seven days, seven days, do your homework on Gina McCarthy. Um, You'll find it interesting. All right. Share your point of view with us. It's very easy to do. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. When we come back, we're going to get to your points of view. A lot of great stuff that's been coming in. Stick around. We'll be right back.